0: Life, if you give your heart and believe what he's done for you, you'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Isn't this the greatest tactic of liars? If they want to get you on their side, all they have to do is convince people it's going to cost them their beloved money. You ever see that on the news? Oh, watch out. If this guy gets what he wants, it's going to cost you. You should be scared. This is ancient tactics. Nothing new under the sun here. Appealed to his sense of money. So they wrote to the king. Just go check the records, go look it up in the books and you'll see for yourself that this city has been so rebellious evil in the past and that this is why they were destroyed and they were rebelling against other nations. No, the reason why Jerusalem was destroyed is not because they rebelled against men. It's because they rebelled against God and the books aren't going to say that. You see the lie? So look at these guys. They were using Jerusalem's past history to try to incriminate them with it. You ever have someone try to bring up elements of your past and incriminate you with it? That's what they're doing. They're dressing up a false story to the king. So the closing of their letter was, if these guys get that city wall back up again, oh king, they're going to they're gonna take your money, they're going to take your territory. You're not going to be rich like you used to be because, oh, king, all this territory belongs to you. They said, if they get this wall, your dominion's not going to go very far. And king, that's yours. It belongs to you. Um, No, it does not belong to King Artaxerxes. It does not belong to them. That land belongs to the Israelites because God gave it to them for their inheritance. And that still stands today. That is their inheritance. It belongs to nobody else. So not much has changed from then till now. We have the same bully tactics. We have the same lies. Appeal to money to get us on our side. We're going to use your past to incriminate you of how, how terrible you are. Because I know what you did. And then they said, and it's our patriotic duty to tell you, O king. Ezra 4 and 17. The king sent an answer to Rehum the commander to Shimshay the scribe to the rest of their companions who dwell in Samaria and to the remainder beyond the river, peace and so forth. The letter which you sent to us has been clearly read before me. And I gave the command and a search has been made. And it was found that this city in former times has revolted against kings and rebellion and sedition have been fostered in it. Pretty hypocritical because I'm sure all they, they've all done it. Verse 20. There have also been mighty kings over Jerusalem who have ruled over all the region beyond the river, and tax, tribute, and custom were paid to them. Well, God brought it in for them, okay? Verse 21, now give the command to make these men cease, that this city may not be built until the command is given by me. Take heed now that you do not fail to do this. Why should damage increase to the hurt of the kings? Okay, so not only was the work constantly being hindered for a number of years, but it actually got intensely worse for the Israelites when the king doubled down on his position and said, Shut it down. It's over. Cut it off. Not until I say so. Now, from the king, the official word is no. Earlier in the chapter, that's what Zerubbabel and Jeshua said when those snakes Tried to come and help build. They said the same thing. The official word is no. So what you have here are two opposing forces, both of them saying no to the other. No, you can't help and no, you won't build. But then one says, no, shut it down. So what happens? What do you do when an impossible situation presents itself to grind all work to a halt and everything's just done? What do you do? How do you break out of this? When all you're trying to do is serve the Lord God, you ever been in a position, I'm just trying to serve the Lord God the best I can, and everybody around me, in every circumstance, in every situation, is telling me, you can't do that. And they try to shut you down. External forces are crashing in on you to stop you dead in your tracks. What do you do? What you do is you wait on the Lord God. That's what you do you wait on him. When you find out you're fighting, doesn't cut it, that's when you know the Lord God's supposed to be doing it. Ezra 4 and 23. Now, when the copy of King Artaxerxes' letter was read before Rehum, Shemshai, the scribe, and their companions, they went up in haste to Jerusalem against the Jews and by force of arms made them cease. Okay, by force of arms. In other words, you do this and we'll kill you. You keep this up, we're going to slaughter you right here. Satan always loves to intimidate God's people with threats, doesn't he? Bully tactics. But the work actually was shut down. That's what's interesting. It actually did stop. And these are the times when God-haters say, Aha! See? Gotcha. You're shut down. You have to do what we say. Your God ain't real. What have you got to say now, Christian? You ever been there? Because you're in a a paused moment, I guess, a a period of time where nothing's moving. And the, the, the first thing they do is, where's your God now? We won. If your God were real, then this wouldn't have happened. Where's your God now? And the Israelites looked at the situation and there really was nothing they could do. There was nothing they could say. What could they do about it? Don't you hate it when your opposition gets it the way they want it? And you can't say nothing about it. First off, God's timing is not our timing. That's something I have to be reminded of every day. There's a hundred things that I think, in my opinion, God should have already gotten done with by now, and He hasn't. <laughs> okay? But our timing is not like His. We don't get to determine who God is. We don't get to determine how God should operate based on the present circumstances of our timetable. I always say never gauge the situation you're really in by the way things look out there. Never do that. What it looks like out there has nothing to do with how things really are, okay? But don't let people intimidate you just because things aren't looking very favorable right now. And when I say right now, that could be in 18 years of right now. Just because it doesn't look good now. Don't let these God haters intimidate you. Okay, now watch this Ezra 4 and 24. Thus the work of the house of God, which is at Jerusalem, ceased and it was discontinued until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. It was discontinued until that means it kicked back on again. It stopped until we get to this new king. It's really something how some people draw out entire judgments based on just the present circumstances. The way it is right now, I'm going to base everything I believe on the way it looks today. You can't do that. It can change quick. Don't base your judgments on how it looks right now when the Lord God can completely change the whole game with just one move. All God had to do was put King Darius on the throne, and bam, the whole project was back on. International opposition. Write all these nasty letters, Jerusalem's so terrible, you're so bad, incrimination, incriminate. Put it in Aramaic. One king, bam, and it's all over. One king changes the whole thing. I had every bit of condemnation come against me as a sinner. I had no way out until one king got in there and he changed the whole ball. Game for me. Jesus Christ. Amen. So the whole project's back on again. Now remember how Rehum and Shemshai told the king, Oh King, these Israelites are gonna suck the life out of your treasury. They're gonna sap all your money. They're gonna take it all away. They're gonna drain your bank account because they're so bad. They're just gonna cost you. But God's man, King Darius, is gonna say in Ezra 6, verse 4. Let the expenses be paid from the king's treasury. Look how that turned around. Whoa. I took you forward a couple of chapters just to show you what's coming. says, no, we're going to pay this. Let the king pay this all. Look at how fast this impossible situation flipped totally upside down. <laughs> this is where I started getting excited. Where's my punching? We didn't mount a punching bag in here. I want one. So I when I get really built, I can just go smack it real quick and get back on with it. This is exciting. Of all the lies, of all the deception, of all the flattery, and all the authority of the mightiest kings on earth backing it all up, that we're going to shut it down, all of a sudden, the whole mess got flipped totally upside down by God in one move. Oh, that's good. Suddenly, it didn't matter what everybody else said. Suddenly, it didn't matter what all the other nations had to say about it. It only mattered what one king had to say, right? Now it's on one king. Friends, you and I are sinners. We broke God's law, and that all put us into an impossible situation. Just like Judah here. There was condemnation coming at us from every angle, just like Jerusalem was getting it. It was closing in on us, our condemnation. It was coming in with the threat of death looming right over our head. And there was no way we had to make up for it. There was nothing we could say. There was nothing we could do. We had no way out. We couldn't buy our way out. And that's when you have to realize that here's where you stopped dead in your tracks. There's no way out. You're condemned dead where you stand. But friends, that's right where you need a new king to take the throne. This is where that new king gets on the throne and changes everything. This is right where you say, God, I can't do it, but I know you can. Turn from your life of sin and let this new king take his rightful place of authority over your life. And once this new king finally takes over, that's when everything changes. Suddenly that whole mess of condemnation that we've gotten ourselves into, it all gets flipped on its head by Jesus Christ in one move. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, most things have become new. Somebody stop me. You're reading it. 99% of things have become new. Nope. Say it. All. That means all of it. Everything becomes new. What used to be impossible is now possible. What seemed like no way out, now you got a new king. Jesus is your way out. What you couldn't make up for, Jesus makes up for it. And what you could never do, Jesus does because he is a good king. We just looked at King Darius. He wanted to give to these guys because he was a good king. Friends, King Jesus is a good king. He likes to give. Good kings, they like to give from their own riches. That's what I think is great about a good king. He says, don't worry about what you lack. I'm plenty rich. A good king gives from his own bank account. Look at this, Luke 11, 11 If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg? Will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Friends, we have a good king. We have a giving king. And he gives generously from his own bank account. So we read King Darius. He generously paid for what the people of Jerusalem could not pay for on their own. And also, friends, regardless of how impossible your situation is, no matter how stuck, dead in your tracks you might feel, I want you to think about this story here in Ezra 4. Yes, God-haters are going to come against us. They're just pre-programmed for that. They're going to lie about us, and they will even use your past to try to incriminate you in front of other people. They'll say, well, look, go back and look. He did that. I'm sure there's people out in the city of Alvin that remember me from a long time ago. Oh, they remember, oh, Ray Jensen, he did that. Oh, he's terrible. I know Ray's past. I know what Ray did. And they can incriminate me. They'll try. They will. Just like these adversaries, they tried to use Jerusalem's shameful past to incriminate the people of Judah before the king. Friends, we have an accuser known as Satan, and he tries to use your bad past against you to make accusations against you in front of the king. But you know what? He's not the king. Isaiah 54 and 4 says, Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed, neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame, for you will forget the shame of your youth. Friends, God does not remember your past shame. God chooses to let it go, and so he wants you to let it go too, to release it. Let go of your shame so that when people try to remind you of your past, they won't be able to push you into fear. Now, I know that sometimes they really back us up into a corner. I've been backed up into a corner by accusational people before, and it looked like I had no way out. Philippians 1 6 says, Be confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. God said, Build the temple, so you know good and well that temple will be completed. Now, friends, the same thing goes for you. God has said he will begin something in you. You better believe that he will complete it. No matter what everybody else says about you, all the other nations, all your friends, everybody around you all, oh, but I remember what you did. You're wicked, you're evil, you're rebellious. Oh, watch out for Ray. You let Ray get a foothold in any kind of way, he's going to cost you. Because I remember what Ray did. And they will incriminate you in front of everybody. But friends, never allow yourself to be pushed into fear simply by looking at your present circumstances, because at any time, God can flip the whole thing upside down in one move. Just because God isn't acting right now, that doesn't mean he's gone. That doesn't mean he's incapable. I know you turn on the news and it flips you out sometime. What is going on? Oh, what are we going to do? Don't worry about it. God can spin it all upside down real quick. You do realize there is no prophecy in existence today that has to happen before Jesus can take us back. We can be pop out of here in a a flash. Um, What a great time that's going to be. That's a party I ain't missing. You better come with me. (laughs) But I have to ask a question, though. Why did Judah have to suffer through a time of being shut down? Why were they stopped dead in their tracks? Why did God, for a time, put the brakes on the temple work when he told Judah to go do it? Why? To teach Judah that this is not going to be built by you. This is going to be built by me. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God shall supply all your need according to your bank account, to your abilities. No, what does it say? According to his riches. His bank account, in glory by Christ Jesus. You remember how the king says, we're going to pay for this with our treasury. We're going to pay that cost. God's saying, hey, I'll cover it. I know you can't afford it. Don't worry. I got it. I got it covered. Now, you remember how Judo, we had talked about it. They, they were assigning uh, staff members and all this thing, all these things. They're getting the shipping, the lumber. They were working out all the international logistics. All that work did, all that paperwork being sent around, we need this, let's do that. All that did was it gave the enemies more ways to interfere and clog up the drain. It just gave them more ways to, to mess stuff up. So then it got to where all the people of Judah could do at this time was do what? All they could do was wait. But boy, guys, we hate waiting, don't we? No, I want to do this. God was showing them. You're not doing this. This temple is mine. I'm the one that does it. So they had to wait. Isaiah 40:31, "But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. The world tells you today, no, those who go to the gym and pump and work and uh, work it out and get that strain going, feel the burn, no pain, no gain. Those are the ones that get strong." God's a little reverse-engineered from that. He says, "Those who wait, there's nothing wrong in waiting. There's nothing wrong in being in a standstill where it seems like you're dead in your tracks. There's nothing wrong with that if you're waiting. But Lord, I don't like this. For 18 years, I'm sure Judah didn't like it. These people are saying all these things about us. We got all this pressure coming. Wait, just wait. I've been waiting for years. I know. Look at Judah. If you feel stuck, don't worry. It's all okay. This is the time to wait upon the Lord. You can't do anything about it anyway. You've tried. You've tried. Oh, you've tried. And nothing's worked. Just wait. Watch what he does. He can flip it anytime. time. It's going to be okay. Wait on the Lord. But while you're waiting, you stand your ground in Jesus, even if your enemy does not like it. Let me put it to you this way. Your enemy will not like it. Stand your ground. Oh, but where's your God now? Stand your ground. Oh, but he's not acting. If your God were real, he would have gotten this. You wait on the Lord. You don't need to cave into that intimidation. I want you to remember it was nothing but a big fat lie to say that Jerusalem was draining the life out of the king's treasury. It was a big lie to say, it's going to cost you. They're expensive. They cost too much. You got to get rid of them. They cost too much. Friend, I hope you hear this. Because I want you to know it's also a big fat lie for you to think that your life, that your problem is so big that it's going to drain the life out of the riches of the Lord God Almighty, because your life is not too big for him to pay for. He can afford it. I know people that live like this. I've messed up so bad. I'm too costly. I'm too damaging. I have hurt. Too many things. My damage is way too big. Your problem is not going to sap the resources out of God's bank. God has a plan and he has the currency, (laughs) spiritual currency, if you will. He can afford it. He has the currency and because he's a loving king, he's a giving king to pay all of your expenses and pay for the rebuilding of yourself, a project that you can't afford. He can do it. Not only can he do it, he wants to do it. That's what's great about God. The fact that he wants to restore me. Who would want to restore me? God does. So if you're struggling, you feel stuck in your tracks, I want to tell you the same thing that King Darius said. You feel like you're too expensive, you're too much damage. I'm going to quote the same thing to you that King Darius said. Let the expenses be paid from the king's treasury. Let the Lord Jesus pay for it. I want to show you how he paid for it. First Corinthians 6.20, you were bought at a price. And I'll tell you, we were bought by an astronomically high price. That's why this says what it does. You are not worthless. You're priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. King Jesus paid all of it. Aren't you glad? Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Set for life You'll be on your way Any day you decide to start